Hey folks, welcome back. We are at episode four of season one of the Inclusive Collective Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nadia Butt, and I am joined with Rob Hadley. Hi, Rob. Hello, Nadia. So great to be here. I'm fantastic. How are you doing? You know what? I'm doing good. I was just thinking how we probably should let our audience know that we have a guest kind of join in throughout the episode in the background. Do you want to share who that guest is? Are you speaking of my my dog, Ellie? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my dog, Ellie, she's usually present for all recordings. And she's been fantastic when we have been recording so far. I think our luck is going to run out at least at at some point in a future episode. So just be ready for that. I'm okay with it. I know our audience will be okay. We're very inclusive here, so I don't think it's a big deal. But yeah, let's just jump right into it, shall we? Um, In last week's episode, episode three, if you recall, we spoke to Humanly.io co-founders Preem Kumar and Andrew Gardner. We talked to them about their partnership, kind of their the dynamics that, that exist um, as founders. And they provided so many wonderful pieces of advice, you know, from their own experience, respectively, particularly the inclusive values uh, of trust and just, you know, different kind of inclusive behaviors that they shared Today, we'll hear more about diversity and inclusion in founding teams. Uh, right, Rob? Yeah. And so we, like you said, we spoke a lot about inclusive behaviors, inclusive leadership uh, within the founding teams. And today we'll focus a little bit more on that diversity aspect. And as you know, Nadia, diverse founding teams are extremely rare. So right. in The Founder's Dilemma, which is a, a very famous book uh, that has a lot of research about founding teams, uh, Noah Wasserman, the author, he cites his own research, and that states that all male or all female founding teams are five times more common than we would expect to occur uh, naturally. And then from a racial standpoint, racially homogenous teams occur a whopping 27 times more than we would expect. 27. So quite- 27 times, right? So there's, there's no accident there. Yeah. Uh, founding teams also, they tend to include people of the same age cohort, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. So people that are of the same age tend to tend to congregate and build t- companies together uh, and also do podcasts together. Rather, I mean, that you and sounds I, like us. <laughs> that, that is us. Uh, yeah. As I always say, that people think that uh, you're quite a bit younger than me, but no, we're actually in the I same mean, age cohort. That's, I'm going to share that compliment with my parents because it's genetic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's really sweet. Um, yeah. So uh, it's, it's hard to get a perfect picture of the mix of demographics and founding teams. That data mm-hmm. set, it just doesn't really exist in the complete form. But if you eyeball the pitch book data around female founders, you see an increase in the percentage of VC-funded all-female founding teams up to maybe around 5% in 2021. And then the percentage of funded startups with at least one female founder looks like it's up to around 20% in 2021. Okay. (laughs) So progress on that front. From a racial perspective, it's a little bit different, right? So Mm. it's it's somewhat dismal. Only about 1.7% of VC-backed startups have a black founder. Around 1.3% have a Latinx founder. Uh, And so if you take all those numbers together, the bottom line is if you're a woman, if you are black, uh, if you're a Latino, Latina, and by extrapolation, if you're from any sort of underrepresented group, and you're in a startup and you're in the early stages of a company, the odds are that you're the only person that looks like you Mm. on that founding team. (laughs) Yikes. I mean, not surprised, but 
uh, you know, I think there's definitely opportunity for improvement within no that. No question. Sure. No question. Yeah, absolutely. Today, we'll explore diversity in um, founding teams and a host of other issues with our guest, Anthony Clay. Um, Anthony, um, his pronouns are he, his, and him, is the co-founder and CEO of Indy, a SaaS platform that helps organizations empower their employee resource groups. The acronym for um, employee resource groups is ERG. Um, He co-founded and led Microsoft's fastest growing ERG, which was called Blacklight, from six employees to nearly 2,000 in um, just five years. So, you know, through that process, really helping increase the tenure um, and engagement of black marketers at Microsoft. He also claims to have seen the vast majority of movies starring Denzel Washington. A little fun fact about him. Um, Anthony Clay, welcome. We are so excited to have you on the Inclusive Collective podcast today. Honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Can't wait. Great to have you. So when you decided to start Indie, how did you think about bringing others into your idea? And what were you looking for in terms of the people that you were bringing in along the way? Yeah, it's such a good question. And there's nuances to it. But number one, mission-driven. That is super, super critical. Because look, it's a startup. You're starting a new company. There's a lot of risk. It's a high-risk uh, high risk asset class. It is high sure. risk, um, as high risk as it comes. And there's no guarantee of an exit, mm-hmm. of an IPO, or that your company is going to make tens and tens of millions of dollars. And so at the end of the day, what you have to believe in, what has to keep you going is the mission, the purpose of the company, the thing that we're doing collectively to change the world. And so mission, number one, are you with the mission? Um, Do you believe in the mission? I think secondly, not values. So like thinking about people who are mission driven, but not people who are values aligned. And that's kind of a, people always say, huh? Like, what do you mean? Like, shouldn't they have the like, same values? Not like, not values. Like, because I was just thinking, <laughs> like, values. I literally was like, does he mean values? Okay, so you're saying, like, <laughs> they don't have the same values. Don't I'm have to have the same values. Okay. It'd be lovely if there's overlap, but I think the same incentives is stronger. Oh. Um, and so for, for our founders, our earliest employees, they are folks who believe in the mission, believe that we're going to change the world with what we're doing. A- and or they also are like, hey, look, we think that there's, real opportunity here to go make millions of dollars. And that is just as strong of a motivator to keep someone working tons of hours, putting in blood and sweat into the company versus kind of the traditional, well, they also have to be super on the same page, read the same books as yeah. you, love book clubs, it's, watch the same yeah. Netflix shows. Yeah. So it's like diversity of thought because what drives me is going to be different than what drives somebody else. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And especially when you don't have, you imagine you start a company. So you say, let's start a company. That that doesn't mean anything until you put some meat on that bone. Um, And so how do you have folks who right now it's nothing. It's just a company. It's just called Indie. How do you have folks give their all to that? Well, they have to be really aligned with the mission or they have to really feel like their incentives and all of their energy, their incentives align and they can put energy into this thing because again their incentives are aligned to it and so the values awesome like that's great you're an empathetic person you're a transparent person those things matter and and that's not to say values don't matter Um, but the things that we prioritized uh, for us in founding this awesome team was mission and incentives and are we are we aligned on those are there not did you have (laughs) 
I love it. I love what it's trying to get. I just have, let me just follow up with that, Rob, really quick, because it's aligned to the values, if you don't mind. But um, sure, are, are sure. there any like non-negotiables though to values? Like when I, because when I think of values, I think of like treating people respectfully, or you know how people want to be treated, how we. Um, oftentimes we hear like assume positive intent. And so I think of those as values. Are there any like types of core values that you still want instilled within the company or are non-negotiables or is it straight up incentives and, and mission? Great question. And no, let's bring in all the assholes. <laughs> yeah, I know. We want a new asshole who's mission driven that has the same incentives. Come yeah, on over right. to India. <laughs> no, that's, that is not our recruiting campaign slogan. We are we are not telling that to anybody. Uh, no, I mean absolutely. And and it's remarkable how companies get away from just hire good human beings. And like you know, of course, you have to put some some def, some kind of definition behind that. Mm-hmm. We do have non-negotiables, um, extremely empathetic mm-hmm. uh, folks that bring out, come to Indy. And, and when we say extreme, we mean you go out of your way. You might put yourself in a less leveraged position mm-hmm. to be empathetic for others. That's non-negotiable. Radical transparency, that's uh-huh. critical. We share everything um, as, a, as, a, as a family, as a team. Um, you know, a classic one with startups is how much runway do we have? And sometimes founders won't tell their employees, how much runway do we have as a company? But that's something that should absolutely be talked about every week because folks need to make life decisions based on how much security the job has. The radical transparency, we don't budge on that. Extreme ownership, another one, uncompromising on that. And and that is actually based on a book called Extreme Ownership. Um, And I'm I'm a kind of big reader of all kinds of literature, but military literature really resonates with me. But ext- extreme ownership is all about this idea that even if you have, you could, you could kind of back into a way in which you had nothing to do with a situation. Mm-hmm. Extreme ownership is still finding a way to say, no, I own that. That's on me. I can do better next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a really important value because you're going to make so many mistakes as a startup. And it's easy to say, well, that's the, t- that's the engineering department's fault. It's like, no, what, what could you have done to, help the engineering department in that situation. Mm-hmm. And that's such a critical part of problem solving, especially when you're a young startup. And those that, that one we're really uncompromising about. And then the last one, um, you can tell I've, I've, I've got these yeah, down because I I, love it. We, grill, we, <laughs> we grill these. We, 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 we don't mess around yeah. with these. Um, and then challenge the status quo. That one, we want folks who even, and it's funny, even the values, which are supposed to be this thing that like, you don't ever change, they're, they're not flexible. Our values have been challenged by folks joining the company. Really? Extreme ownership? Is that the right value? And so interesting. I love that. It's just it's the idea of challenge the status mm-hmm. quo. Like what someone has told you is the way to do things. Ask yourself why. Is it really the right thing? And how can we do it better? How can we push on it? How can we disrupt that? And that's a really important thing uh, that we believe in at Indy because we think it fosters innovation. Fantastic. So uncompromising. Those are the four. It's, it's, it's so interesting. And I'm going to just push on it. One, just one more thing on this line of, uh, line of thought. You know, you're obviously very passionate about it. Has there been an example or a situation where you felt like the values were aligned with either a, a, a person or someone early in the company, but for some reason it didn't work out? Yeah, so many uh, challenges and so many things that come to mind. One of them was when we were discussing kind of values aligned, we feel good about this, we're on the same page, but still there's 
kind of something else that's stirring or d- d- steering us in a different direction was the idea of uh, going full-time on Indie. Mm. Um, and so this one is one that founders have will encounter kind of everywhere, no matter what, where you're just starting this thing out and you have a belief in the, the values, you, you're on the same page, like, I understand you. I'm radically empathetic to you. I'm being transparent about my decision. Mm-hmm. I'm owning the fact that I want to do A, B, and C. But this question of going full-time, dropping your current job and going all right. in on this new thing. That's it's scary. Where, doesn't matter. <laughs> right? It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. And you can be aligned on the inputs that go into the decision. Again, we all came up with those values. The empathy was there. The transparency on how we were thinking about it. But still we all ended up going full time on indie at different times in our lives. There's a human element, a human variable that no value can control for. And so even when you're on the same page, again, the empathy is there. The ownership of the decision is there. The transparency is there. You're challenging the status quo. Should I jump? Probably, maybe not. It still didn't get us to all jump at the same Mm. time. Uh, it still was something where we jumped at three different moments. We're, we're three founders, by the way. I should have mm-hmm. mentioned that. We are sure, three founders. Sure. Um, so you can get the values aligned. The, the values of a situation can feel good. But still, there's this, this one wrinkle, which is that people are human. And um, sometimes human instinct, security, safety uh, can pull you in a different direction. Sure. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. And then as you're building this uh, this DEI-focused product, how much pressure do you and the other founders feel to create a culture or to, uh, to bring some of the uh, concepts of diversity, equity, inclusion and to build an inclusive environment uh, into your own company? Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. I think there is a lot of pressure from the outside looking in. Um, So for example, we're fundraising right now and we go to these investor pitches. One of the questions we get, we get asked is, what are you doing culturally? What are you, what are you doing for development? What are you doing for A, B, and C to to drive equitable outcomes within your own company? And our company is small. Um, And there's a lot of pressure from folks looking in. We feel that pressure because how could you not? But what's really interesting, while we are a technology company focused on DEI, what alleviates the pressure, at least on the engineering side, is we are a automation company that is focused on DEI. And that kind of technology-centered ethos mm-hmm. really it, it alleviates some of the pressure that, oh my gosh, if we're not building the perfect culture internally, we're hypocritical. We can't even sell our product because if you're not an inclusive culture, how can you 
sell an inclusive product to the world. And I think there's a, there's a myth that, and we've started intentionally from day zero. I think there's a myth might be strong, but there is just this, this kind of mainstream point of view that if you start from day zero, when you become a giant tech company, mm-hmm. you've started from day zero. So you're fine. Like you've, you've built the, the DNA into the company from day zero. Like building this shit into the DNA day zero is not yeah. easy. <laughs> it's not. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, there's systems and processes that have become harder to undo mm-hmm. when you're a, a hundred thousand person company. Don't Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that these concepts and these ideas and these systems that you set up day zero will stick and resonate. And then you're always going to be pushed when you're a young startup like ours. You're always going to be pushed to show business results. While we are a small startup, we are a funded company. We have investors that are asking us, what's ARR? What's your revenue (laughs) looking like this year? When are you exiting? And we're we're in in year two. When are you ex- when are you yeah. exiting? <laughs> we like, just got here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me five to six more years, yeah. please. And, and and it's funny because you go to those investor presentations, no one's asking about like, yes, the, the culture question comes and there's that pressure, like I said, but the first questions are all about performance. Mm-hmm. The first questions are all about how many people have you hired? Uh, what are your margins? Um, and again, I say all of this to say it's kind of a long-winded way to say that there is this pressure. Absolutely, there's this pressure, but I think the pressure of business results, which people are able to somehow separate from diversity and inclusion, I don't know mm-hmm. how, but this pressure of performance and the business, hardcore business scorecard questions is, is what really comes our way the most. That, that's the, the, the highest pressure topic that we, that we feel. Yeah. yeah, Anthony, I wanted to talk about you, just the pressure that you feel from investors or the things that they're actually pushing on from you. Yeah. But your lead investors have some somewhat of a values-oriented approach to investing, right? And so, or at least some of your earlier investors as well. And so, so how important is that uh, to the company that you're starting? And does that relationship or that approach orientation change over time as you're growing the company? Great question. It's really critical. It's amazingly um, and 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 Kapoor Capital. I'm going to give them the the shout out that they uh, they deserve. They are so amazing. They're amazing thought partners. They have a founders slash CEO pledge, which is the commitment of the CEO founding team to hire, bring on, scale the company with talent that is from diverse backgrounds, and they check in on that. And so I think the the pledge, the accountability. And the thought leadership that they bring uh, really keeps us keeps us in line, if you will. It keeps us centered on the right things. It, it, it kind of helps us as things get high pressure and we're trying to close customers and close deals. Well, hey, look, we have to also check in with Kapoor mm-hmm. and talk to them about what we're doing in terms of intentional hiring, intentional efforts to diversify what we're doing at Indy with our, with our talent, with our programs. It is really amazing. The Kapoor capitals of the world that are mission driven, that have some of this ethos built into the relationship, right? right. They, they don't, they're not going to, they're not going to choose a company unless they believe that that company is mission driven and intentional about this work. Um, and so that's absolutely, amen, totally thousand percent true. We have other investors and Kapoor also wants to see business results. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right. so, it all, it all, it's all, it's, it's, it's tough, right? Because in an ideal world, these things would be super core. Like there just would be a very clean correlation. Mm-hmm. Like if I do 
if I go and, and bring on the most the most diverse company ever, indie becomes this place where everyone looks, thinks differently, and it's just this beautiful harmony. Mm-hmm. I still will get asked, like, what's going on with the company? Is the company going to go under? Are you all thriving? Right. Um, what's going on with with performance? And that long term investment, like the hope is that what we're doing right now with our and our company is very diverse. But the hope is that that will down the line lead to better products. I mean, already it's turning, right. making us build better products, just to be clear, it is. But you hope that that compounds and that when we have 50, 60, 100 people at the company, we're churning out some of the most innovative products. We're, we're being bold in ways that no other company would dare, would dare go to or do because we have this workforce that comes from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll see a lot more and there will be less pressure as well as we scale, as we as we just start to be show uh, ourselves as a as a viable company. Um, there will be, I think, less pressure to only talk about the business metrics, and there will be more of an appreciation of how we're getting to those business metrics, which is through our culture that we're mm-hmm. building. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. um, Anthony. I'd love to. So I'm curious from um, more about you and like you know, if you think about your experiences, your, your education, your identity, have all of those things helped inform, um, the decisions and the desire to push indie forward? And if so, how? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I think about, I, I tell this story when I first joined Microsoft, um, two months in, I was working as what's called a business planner. Think of that as kind of a product manager uh, is another another kind of term for it. And your key stakeholders are finance, product marketing, and engineering. And a lot of what you're doing as a business planner is you're doing big data analysis. It can be it can be kind of boring stuff, but I love it. I'm a, I'm a data data junkie. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds Rob killer. Loves it. <laughs> yeah. Rob is like, oh yeah. my god, Rob is sweating. He is. Over He's there. totally like. like... <laughs> <laughs> speaking of, you're, Go on. You're yeah. speaking his yeah. love language. <laughs> yeah. Say more, whisper more in my ear. Um, so I'm doing this big data analysis, number crunching for my engineering stakeholders. And at this point in time, I hadn't met them in person. And my Outlook email photo, I hadn't put a photo up yet. So you're getting emails from AC and it's this faceless person who's sending all of these data emails to the engineering stakeholders. I go meet them uh, for the first time in person after about two, two and a half months of sending them data. I walk in the room. It's this all male um, homogenous room of of folks. I come in and they say, you're Anthony. I'm like, yeah, I'm Anthony. You're the one who's been sending us this data for the last two and a half months. Like, yes. (laughs) I didn't, I didn't know that black people did numbers. Oh, wow. So I, I always, I always think about that story. Typically, daily, mm. I just think about, I yeah. think about the, well, the, the, the not even a microaggression. That's Ma- a, as that's macro like aggression. as macro, yeah, as possible, right? It's, yeah, it's incredibly macro. It's insulting as but hell. I, it's insulting as hell, and I also think there, it's this, it's this thought that, you know, diversity higher or hey, like diversity can't be productive, mm-hmm. right? Like those assumptions that folks make about folks from different backgrounds and that they, they, they can't reach this certain level that fires me up every day to push indie, to make this technology platform that is all about scaling, empowering the diversity teams of the world. 
uh, it just makes me fired up as hell mm-hmm. to push it and pursue it and make it successful. Um, and I also think that experience and that story led me to go deeper and understand that at, at Microsoft at the time, there was a lot of attrition of other black employees mm-hmm. at the company. And it, it really inspired me to create Blacklight, that that exact experience. And I, I said, hey, is are there other folks who have had similar experiences as me at the, at the yeah. company? And Wondering the like maybe was, why yeah. they're leaving, right? Like maybe things are being said to them and they're like, I'm out of here. This isn't the culture for me. Exactly. And there was such a focus on your top of funnel, getting more black African-Americans, getting more women, getting more folks from X, Y, and Z background into the company. Mm. But how are you, you going to keep them? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to keep folks or else it's just a leaky funnel and every investment you make in recruiting is just going to be out the door in a couple of years. Right. And that experience, seeing a lot of black employees at Microsoft, a lot of black women, women of color leaving the company, mm-hmm. inspired me to start Blacklight inspired me to believe that when you have these powerful communities that are robust and doing awesome programming, you can keep people longer. And we showed that with Blacklight. Blacklight it did wonders to the average tenure of Black employees at Microsoft. It's why I'm such a believer in ERGs and communities at companies um, helping folks feel belonging, mm-hmm. because I think that that's your best weapon against attrition. Sure. So that experience, that, that, that macroaggression story, Starting Blacklight, scaling it, seeing the success of it um, has played a huge role in what we're building at Indie because ultimately what we're trying to do with Indie is help folks build their own Blacklights, help them build these robust communities that keep people because they are so incredible at driving belonging. Yeah, I'm sorry you um, had that uh, interaction, but wow, what what that has um, done for you to be so driven with indie, it's incredible. So thanks for sharing that story. We, uh, I, I'll second what Nadia's sentiment there, that we're so happy that you have taken these experiences and turned it into indie. And we know you're going to do amazing things. It's, it's an amazing product. Um, Anthony, before we, uh, before, before we go, Couple of things, uh, you know. You obviously you're 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 running this company and have a few years of CEO and founder experience under your belt. Uh, can you just give us if, if if someone else is starting a company, uh, what are some of the things that you think about in terms of broadly any diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, concepts uh, that you would offer advice to someone starting out? Yeah, no, it's a, it's an amazing one. I think be very intentional about having diversity in your founding team, mm. and and the sort of uh, corollary to that is use a broad definition of diversity. Mm. Tell me more about um, that. <laughs> oh, let yes, me go. Let please. me go. Let I have me this go. conversation yeah. all the time with people. So yes, please tell me what you mean by that. So our well, listeners I, can hear. I'm, yeah. Well, I'm a huge believer in this idea of you know, less of the traditional census categories and more about distance traveled, mm. the types of things that folks have overcome in life. And that has, which shapes your identity in a big way. I was in a, you know, in a foster home. I was on a reservation. These types of experiences, which don't get necessarily captured in race, ethnicity, gender identification, even veteran status. Mm-hmm. Like more, there are more things, traumas that folks have experienced that shape their identity and how they show up. And in many ways, we, we kind of forget about that. And we index on, again, the census categories. And so when I say, think about diversity beyond the traditional census mm-hmm. categories, I think about distance traveled, the things that people have overcome in life that shapes their identity, that makes them who they are, that might be non-traditional. 
Um, how would a, so how would Anthony, a, it, now he's how, speaking how to someone, my heart. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. No, it's amazing. No, it's, yeah. and, and, and how very tactically, Anthony, how would someone yeah. get at this? So someone that you're working with, right? So you're implementing Indy in an organization. How do they, right? Cause they, they obviously don't have that data. How do they do it? How do they get that data? And how do you work with them to get that data? Oh, interesting. So how do you help an organization get that data? Yeah. Well, that yeah. I mean, you, you, I mean, that's, that's something that you believe in when you walk into, you know, whatever large company that you're implementing Indian, they don't have that data. Right. So what, what, what yeah. do you, how do you work with them to do, do yeah. you implement this, this concept? Two thoughts really quickly. It's a great question, Rob. First thought is in the founder search, it's so important to do your homework and go and get to know these humans on a human level. Mm. And look, it's, it's tough, but getting to the distance traveled of the folks that you're going to go start a company with is got to do it. Um, so that's just a shout out to the founders who are thinking about how do I find the distance traveled nuggets from my team? Get in there, go, go to a lunch, take a walk, whatever it is, jump on the phone and make it your goal to know the things that that person has gone through as much as they're willing to share, of course, Sure. because that's just important. Now, the second question. Yes. Thank you for, answer. thank you for answering the first question yeah. that I asked We're and then, so excited. and then interrupted <laughs> and asked a I second question. So thank and you. Rob's taking note because him and I are co-founders of this apparently. So, we, so maybe he's like, what do I do to bond with Nadia? Do we need to go for a walk? We need to walk and talk here. <laughs> Nadia, tell me all the things that you've gone through. No, it's, it's great. I'm glad we're sparking content. Yeah. I love it. The, the second question, Rob, it's a short answer. It's a boring answer. The answer is yes. Yes. We have a distance traveled framework. And some of our companies actually say, hey, look, on Indie, we want to turn demographic data collection off. And that's, that's totally fine. The cool thing about Indie is it functions without collecting demographic data. But some organizations say, no, we really have no idea about this distance traveled concept. Like we would really love to get a handle on that because we can design programs and benefits, mm -hmm. uh, think about pay equity in a different way. And so Indy has this concept of distance traveled in your user profile sure. where we ask uh, a series of questions that are not just your race, ethnicity, gender identification questions. They go beyond that. And then we bubble it up into like a distance traveled kind of score, if you will. Um, and we show that on user's profile. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Anthony. Of course. Absolutely. Hope it helps. Hope it resonates. Yeah. And I can't imagine, and, and yeah, and, uh, and that's very inspiring. I, I don't, like I said, whenever I speak to you, I'm always uplifted by your energy and, yeah, this has been, like, uh, and your positive, <laughs> uh, the way that you look at the world and, and how positive you are. So I appreciate it, yeah. uh, that as well, Anthony. So, uh, Anthony Clay. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is great. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Anthony. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Wowza. Well, that was so fun. Um, Anthony. So fun. Wasn't that great? Anthony's fantastic. Um, hi, folks. We are back and at the Con Reflections point of our episode where Rob and I reflect on the conversation. Um, hence, that's why we call it Con Reflections. Yeah, um, makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. So I'll jump uh, right in and uh, go ahead. So, you know, again, we were talking about startups and the founding team relationships. And what I took away from our conversation with Anthony, he has this one piece of advice on being really intentional about having diversity and representation in your founding team, right? And, and having like a broad definition 
of diversity, he uses like his distance traveled philosophy. And I, I really, yeah. right? I really love that as an inclusive behavior. And you may have noticed that at the end there that I got super excited. Did you catch that? I, I caught it. And you were, you it was were like, unmistakable. Oh, you were like over the moon. <laughs> I could tell. I know like data. Jumping is your, out of my chair. Yeah. Data is your love language. So he was speaking to you. Yeah. Um, and, I think, and, and the reason I got so excited, right, when he was started to go into distance travel mm. is in the big, in big companies or, so, you know, I've obviously worked with some big companies and where we have legacy HR systems. Generally, in, in the past, you had male, female for gender, and you may have had, you know, a handful of different race, ethnicity buckets, right? And so that's obviously right. changing. It's getting a little bit better. All these companies are making some sort of effort in order to get deeper characteristics, right? And starting to expand the types of demographics that they have on their workforce. That's all fantastic. But what's really exciting is when we start to understand the subsurface characteristics, right? So the things that I can't tell just by looking at you based on your outward appearance, right? Or your behavior. So mm -hmm. when Anthony talks about distance travels and the obstacles that a person faces or the things they had to overcome, one of the things we're talking about and I get really excited about is class and measuring a class. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the big things that distance traveled really, really points to. So I can't tell in most cases where a person came from, but class, and there are several data points that can be useful in understanding how far a person's traveled yeah. uh, in their life, right? So parents' education or their parents' occupation at a certain age, their zip code that they grew up in, that tends to be a fairly strong predictor of success outcomes. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're all, we're just starting to really understand and starting to build into the data that we collect around people in an organization. Yeah. You know, being able to define kind of what diversity means in your organization and having folks really understand like the d different dimensions of diversity is so critical, especially as a leader. So being mindful of like how we define our term. Now I'm sounding like one of my professors, Dr. Cordy from George Washington. He literally reminds us all the time to define your ter terms because if you don't align on language and definitions, people will just continue to be confused. And so I definitely think when you say things like words like diversity or representation, like be really specific about what that looks like and what that means. Um, Absolutely. No, totally. What tips would you provide? Now, if we, so you're saying, okay, well, we're talking about DEI and founding teams. Uh, if we come back and look at the team, the companies and the teams that we're talking about, mm -hmm. and we're dealing with the founding team or the first free employees in a small, fast-growing organization. Obviously, they're not going to have the kind of data that I got really excited about there. Yeah, right. But the concept's really the same. So it's really understand what diversity and define what diversity means for right. you and your organization and your team and have conversations about it openly, right? So right. that means, in the case, and we certainly heard Anthony talk about it, get to know your co-founders and where they come from, what they value, start to get a picture of who they are beneath the surface, mm -hmm. beneath their outward appearance, and start to understand the things that you have in common and the things that, you're diff that are different about you. What that allows you to do is when you're ready to hire, you're looking for additions to the team, uh, you'll have a, that complete picture of what your team actually looks like. And so you'll know what type of person would add a new dimension to your team. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about founding teams. That works in every aspect of life, whether you're on a project team at the at university or if you are at a big company and coming together and, and, and trying to, to build your finance function within that big company. Or right? your so, condo association board. Or your con... <laughs> 
right? If if you <laughs> if you have to, yeah. So yeah. that's something that you have to engage in. Yeah. Then that's get to know people, get to know the things uh, about them that are deeper than what their surface characteristics are, right? And the sooner that you start thinking about what diversity is and what it means to that particular company or group or whatever that situation, the better, right? So earlier and earlier in the founding process, we're hearing from people that are saying that. Uh, investors are asking the founders and the CEO to really talk about and define what diversity means for their particular organization. And it's not something you want to start to try to put together when you're at 100 employees. You want right. to start to do that at the founding team level and we start bringing those first few employees in. The best example of this, Nadia, is I had a founding team member. They were telling me that at Series A, they had like 20, 25 employees and the leadership team was mostly women, and I think there was like one white woman on the entire leadership team, mm -hmm. right, at that early stage. Mm -hmm. But if it, instead of saying, "Hey, we're good here," we don't, you know, we're we're all sad because we're we, you know, we have a lot of women. We have we're very racially diverse. Mm -hmm. They really tried to dig deep and understand how they were similar and how they were different, right? So and and find the places that they actually were overrepresented in terms of their characteristics, so that they could be very intentional about bringing people into the organization mm -hmm. that were different than them. And that helped them as they started to bring people into the organization, think about what biases they might have. And, and they were really way ahead of the game as they started to build their organization. So, That's um, great. you know, yeah. I think we talk about like really tactical stuff. It's really easy stuff. Have conversations, write stuff down, iterate and, and discuss and share openly how you're thinking about diversity early, early, early in the organization's uh, formation. That's great, Rob. I mean, such fantastic be you know, best practices and a few tips to offer to our listeners to really complement the ones that Anthony um, from Indy has provided as well. So thank you for that. Um, so that is it for this week's episode. The Inclusive Collective Podcast is a production of Refillion Med Media. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you and your feedback. So check us out at www.refilion.com. That's R-I-F-E-L-I-O-N. And you can also find us on Instagram at Inclusive Collective Podcast, all one word. I'm Nadia Butt. And I'm Rob Hadley. We'll see you next week.